the skills they think that that translate well or you know the the leadership and you know because your 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 threat thrust uh, leadership uh, responsibilities um, at a very young age before you're even ready and so you know you develop those people skills and those leadership skills um, a lot sooner. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo. Uh, unfortunately, my co-host was not able to make it today, but we're really excited about our guest today, uh, Jay Tanwan, uh, with Director of Development with Scannell Properties. Uh, we, we've had a chance to go back and forth a little bit offline. I'm really excited to kind of dive into his backstory and uh, learn a lot more about his his background. So, Jay, uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Rafael. This is great. I really appreciate you having me and uh, appreciate the uh, spending time to to get to know me a little bit and also, you know, get to know you uh, as Absol- well. Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to dive in your backstory because it is pretty, pretty interesting. So uh, we'll go ahead and do that. So um, one of the things that we typically like to ask our guests when we first get started is uh, to start learn a little bit more about them. So if you don't mind kind of sharing your backstory, I think that'd be awesome. Sure. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, born and raised San Diego, California, um, you know, had a really good, you know, childhood as only child, you know, and um, when, when you kind of grow up like that, you're, you're kind of the, the sole focus of the parents and there's no, you know, kind of brothers and sisters to, to mess around with or, you know, so, you know, growing up and, you know, I just got used to talking to adults a lot, you know, cause that's, that's all I had, you know, and then, then obviously once I got in school and, you know, started to, you know, have make my own friends and, and whatnot, but, but I think, you know, it's, it, to some extent, it kind of helps you maybe later in your career when when uh you can have those you know types of adult conversations or when you need to and yeah so it's it's been uh it was a good good childhood love growing up in San Diego um but I think you know as I was getting through high school I always felt like I just wanted to do something different and and blaze my own trail kind of thing and uh I just wanted to move away you know, so, so I went as far as I could, basically, I went to college on the other side of the country, went to the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. So, you know, and and that would eventually take me kind of all over the world, just from doing deployments and and all that stuff while I was in the Navy. But yeah, so it was just a a really uh, great, you know, childhood, as I mentioned, growing up, you know, went, uh, went off to the Naval Academy for, for college, you know, I, I had the opportunity to run track there. So that was a, a very fun um, uh, experience for me and just glad it all kind of worked out because, you know, you you never really know kind of how, you know, the path that, that life kind of takes you because, you know, when I was, you know, maybe a junior or senior in, in high school, I was still like, I, you know, I, I didn't think that the Naval Academy was 
where I was going to go. I, I I did this uh, summer seminar program uh, over the summer, I think between my junior and senior year. And I remember leaving that um, just thinking, ah, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to go here. It's just not, I don't want to be in the military afterwards, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, just how, how life kind of takes you down that uh, different paths that you don't expect. And I, you know, I just kind of prayed about it a lot and, you know, it's just, wow, you know, this is where, you know, it started to make sense and started to feel right. And okay, so I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the, the, the harder decision. And, you know, you hear some of my friends, you know, they're going out to, to you know, these really great party schools by the beach and, you know, from San Diego. So, you know, there's big San Diego state contingent that, um, that, uh, and you know, a lot of my friends ended up going there. So, you know, that that's a, such a fun place to, to go to college, I'm sure. Um, go Aztecs, by the way, they just made it to the the championship game, which I, I had the opportunity to, to go out to, um, in Houston this, this past month. So, so that was awesome. Um, you know, just growing up, uh, being a fan of, of them, um, cause we don't have any professional sports teams, um, in San Diego other than the Padres now. So they're kind of our, our team, but, uh, I'm digressing a little bit, but, um, I just wanted to share that. Um, so yeah. So, you know, I, I just, you know, wanted to, to choose the something different and, and, and I felt like, oh, this is going to be hard, but I'm feel really compelled to, to do it. So, um, and that's what I did. So I just ended up at the, the Naval Academy. Um, and, you know, I wasn't necessarily, uh, recruited as a track athlete i got in already from you know from an academics and extracurricular standpoint um but after i already got accepted i was basically invited um as a preferred walk-on uh for the for the track team and the naval academy is unique right where everybody who goes there is basically on scholarship you know room and board is all all covered uh but in you know the this particular case you know when we're doing we're talking about sports you know I, I wasn't necessarily defined as a as a recruited athlete and just as a preferred walk-on so they would say hey you're you're invited to you know once once we have tryouts and stuff you can you can come out and and that was it so as as luck would have it you know I was a you know high hurdler in in high school and that's what I continued at the Naval Academy um but you know they just didn't have uh, a lot of hurdlers at that point that, you know, for whatever reason, like, you know, the track team is huge. So you have all these different events and, you know, so sometimes you get really deep in, in distance running, for example, you, you get a lot of recruits particular year and, and they, they, they develop at the school and they, and you get really deep in, in certain areas. But when my freshman year, they just never really had, you know, a, a deep hurdling um, department, I guess. So, um, luckily for me, that kind of opened the door and allowed me to, to get in there and, and letter as a freshman. And then, you know, I just kept getting better each year. Um, you know, so, so track was such a big part of, you know, I think the, the Naval Academy experience and, you know, it's, it's obviously, you, you know, we, we had the military side of things, which, you know, they were basically indoctrinating us into the military way of life because everybody, uh, for the most part, you know, there were some 
um, folks that, that had served in the military before, you know, prior enlisted. Um, but for the most part, it's, you know, a lot of, you know, 18 year old high school students who had very little exposure to the military way of life. So the Naval Academy, um, you know, make sure that you know what the military is all about. So, so, you know, we said we had those requirements, we had academic requirements, and then you throw in, you know, the track uh, component on top of it. So it was, it was a lot to adjust to that, that first year and just being away from home and being on the other side of the country. And, you know, that we had a, a lot of restrictions in terms of, you know, social life and and all that, especially your, your first year. Um, so it's just, a, you know, just a big adjustment, you know, going through all that. And then, um, through, through my junior, senior year, and then finally, you know, graduated and was off to the, the military. So I, I served as a supply uh, officer for six years after my, my time at the Academy. And, um, you know, again, you know, I really got that opportunity to be in the, the as a supply officer, cause I, I'm uh, colorblind. So, um, and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier just about how crazy life is and, you know, I was able to somehow get in and pass the required tests getting into the academy. But once they tested me while I was there, I was, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to pass those tests, um, those same colorblind, um, type tests. So, so I, I, uh, I, got uh, put into the um, uh, supply core and, and had that opportunity to, to do that, um, which was, which was really a, a great experience for me um, because that was basically logistics and supply chain management. And then fast forward to where I am now, you know, I, I didn't think I'd be doing logistics and supply chain type real estate. Right. So um, again, you know, just an example, you're just life taking you in, in interesting paths that you wouldn't really have necessarily set out for, for yourself. Um, and so all of that kind of, you know, being in the Navy and, you know, really, I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, I kind of came to a crossroads in terms of, do I stay in or do I get out of the Navy? Um, you know, so I, ultimately ended up deciding, you know, to, to get out after six years, you know, I, um, now was stationed in San Diego, which is where I'm from. I met my girlfriend now wife, um, uh, at that time when I was stationed in San Diego. So it just kind of all made sense in terms of like, you know, where I wanted to, to start building a family and, and, and growing some roots. Cause if I continued down the the military lifestyle, I would likely have had to move again and move multiple times. And and I've seen, I mean, the the what it what it takes like with with a with having a family and a young family, you know, it's it's hard for those those sailors and marines and and soldiers that that have to to do that. Um, you know, go on deployment and you're basically leaving, you know, your family and your young family at at home, you know. And so life goes on, um, you know, so the, the, the wife or, or husband who's who, whoever's kind of running the household at that point, you know, they're, they're having to, to do all that and basically be a single parent while, while the service members on deployment. So I, you know, I, I saw that and, you know, I just wasn't sure if that's what I exactly wanted for 
my future family at that point. So, and I wanted to stay in Southern California because once I got the taste of coming back, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to have to leave <laughs> anymore. So, um, yeah. So after the, the, the Navy, I decided I'm going to get out and, uh, you know, we're going to explore commercial real estate. And, um, so I got my MBA at UC Irvine and, you know, that decision even then was, was to, um, you know, focus on schools in Southern California with some real estate, uh, a school or real estate center that, that would be, um, you know, beneficial for me and help me take that next step in my career and figure things out. And, and when you're in the M- MBA program, I mean, you know, your, your, your interests change, you know, you, you figured, you know, this is something that sounds interesting, but then you take some courses in another subject and it leads you down another path. So, you know, I, I just ended up saying in, in real estate, I, I, I kind of went into business school thinking that's what I wanted to do. And, um, that's where I ended up staying. You know, I, I did some internships. I met with a lot of people and yeah, it was great. So, you know, and then fast forward to graduation in 2009 from business school. I mean, that's, you know, right at the great recession. So there weren't a lot of opportunities, right? So I was, uh, fortunate enough to find, uh, opportunity to do an office tenant rep brokerage with JLL. So again, you know, I wouldn't have kind of picked that path if there wasn't, you know, the current or not the current, but the then economic conditions and environment of the great recession. But I was so fortunate, I think, to, to have had that experience in brokerage and to, you know, just really learn the basics of sales and, and real estate and, you know, you know, cold calling and understanding marketing and um, presentation and, you know, just refining kind of these really soft skills that I still use today. I mean, I'm, I'm on the phone constantly. I'm talking to brokers, I'm talking to LP capital partners um, and, you know, and, and just always selling, right. You're always selling either yourself, your company, your deal, you know, so there's those skills in brokerage, I think, were a really good foundation that, as I mentioned, I I don't think I would have pursued post-MBA because that's not really the the traditional post-MBA path that you you take. So um so yeah, so that that that's kind of the what what happened then in terms of after graduation and then then a couple years into it, I had an opportunity to to join Panatoni Development and you know, it was, it was just kind of a situation where one of the former partners that I met with while I was in business school at UC Irvine, it, it was still, you know, they're going, you know, like everyone during that time in, in real estate are going through tough, tough times. But um, once the market started to show some signs of improvement back in 2011, um, you know, basically got picked up to to join Panatoni, and I didn't know anything about industrial. You know, I was an office tenor rep, so I didn't have a construction background. I didn't know, you know, where the Inland Empire was, which you know most people in our industry know that that's really the the heart of the logistics, uh, uh, you know, area for 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 the country, really, um, Southern California, and, and you know, especially the Inland Empire. So. Um, I didn't, I didn't know any, anything about it. Um, and 
you know, just over time, you know, I was there at Panatoni for almost 11 years. So over time, you know, I just started to pick up more and more skills and I learned from, from the best, you know, they, uh, they, they have a really great, you know, just business and model and, and, and the, the leadership there is, is really great. And, you know, so I was able to, to learn a lot. Um, and over that, almost 11 year period, I, you know, felt like I picked up the skills I needed to eventually say, yes, I can do this, you know, somewhat on my own and start in, start an office from scratch, you know? So, so, you know, I was employee number one for the, the new SoCal office for Scannell properties in, in January of 2022. Um, so it was really a, a great run up from when I started Panatoni 2011 to, it was May 2011 to January of, of 22, basically. So, you know, if anyone that was in real estate during those years obviously knows kind of what happened and, and then anyone in industrial and especially Southern California industrial really saw what happened that, that no one could have predicted. I mean, um, you know, I, I wish I could say that I totally planned this out and I knew that e-commerce was going to explode. Um the way it did, but I had no idea, you know, starting in 2011, you know, I didn't even know what industrial really was and and how impactful it, it was. So it's just, again, you know, I keep coming back to this, but just life kind of taking you in, in paths that you didn't really expect. And sometimes it's, it's where you, you think that, oh, I want something to happen this way. And then it doesn't happen that way and you're disappointed initially, but then you let it play out and then it's amazing, right? So it, it turns out even better than you could have even imagined sometimes. So um, that's kind of the exciting piece of it too. I mean, you know, just just the the unknown and sometimes, you know, your expectations get you all kind of wound up, but if you just give it some time and and let it to let it really play out, you know, there could be some better, better times ahead. For sure. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you kind of alluded to that with, you know, the various different, you know, movements you had throughout your career, obviously. Well, first off, thank you for your service. That's amazing. My, my dad was in the military in the air force. And so we were, I was actually born just off Aviano air base in Northeast Italy. Oh, nice. So I know that. I know the the relocation is is real. I mean, we yeah. moved three or four times when before I was fourteen. So, you know, a lot of a lot of movement, but it's it's a very unique experience. Obviously, you get to see a lot of places around the world. You get to interact with people from all different types of backgrounds, and I feel like that's that's invaluable in our career. In that, you know, we 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 obviously our business is all relationship driven. So, being able to have build those connections with people from diverse backgrounds and you know, understanding that we as people are not that much different, regardless of where we're at in the world, is is very unique. Is a very uh, valuable insight to have. And and you kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, obviously going from the military now going out into the private sector and you know kind of realizing that you you wanted to pursue a commercial real estate career, you just didn't know how it was going to happen. I mean, it's it's almost I always I always allude to the fact that it's like the, the world works out in certain ways. Like I don't know if it's divinely inspired or whatever else, but there's something going on to where 
it is because I've had similar experiences in my life where, you know, I, I'm like disappointed because I missed out on an opportunity or maybe something happened that, you know, I wasn't planning for. And then all of a sudden a new opportunity presents itself. That's just as good, if not better. And so, you know, I don't know what that is, but you know, I, I can, I can definitely relate to that uh, in, in my own life as well. But um, one thing I'm really curious about is, you know, obviously we've, we, we touched on your background we learned a little bit more about, you know, you as a person and your 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 thought process as you started evolving to these different uh, nodes within your career. Um, you know, how why, I guess, as far as your 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 decision to kind of branch off from the office tenant side over to the industrial side, was there a reason for it or was it more so that you just it was a very unique opportunity and it just so happened that, you know, in, industrial is, is what they did. The Panatoni, I believe you had mentioned. Uh, right. Yeah, th- there is. No reason, you know. I was I was uh, really set on making office tenant rep brokerage my career, you know, and I was, you know, already setting my myself up that way and my mindset that that was the way it was going to happen. I think, you know, coming out of business school, I had uh, kind of dreams that okay, I'm going to be a, a developer, you know, because that's what what I think a lot of people initially when they get into commercial real estate, they probably think, oh, I'm going to be a developer. I'm going to build buildings and and do all that stuff. But there's so many different avenues that you could take once you're in the industry. And so I really love brokerage. I really love the kind of eat what you kill kind of mentality and, and, you know, waking up when you, you just don't know kind of where the, the, the next meal is going to come from. Right. Cause you're, you're, you have to go out and get it. Right. So, so that was was really uh, intriguing to me and, and really, you know, cause you're basically running your own business, you know, cause you have to have the discipline to make your cold calls and to, to put in the work each day and, and really trust the process because you don't see results right away. So, you know, you, you, you just really had to, to go through that. And, and I really appreciated that experience. And, you know, so I was, I was, you know, in year two, so, in, in brokerage. So I was already starting to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And I was ready to, to, you know, make some, some more deals and, you know, just an opportunity kind of just really came out of the blue, you know, for, for Panatoni and, and doing industrial development. So um, yeah, it, it, there was no, no plan, you know, there, I, I was not prepared to, to, to think like, okay, I'm, just going to do brokerage for a few years and then go to opportunity to, to go into development. That was not at all in my, in my thought process. It just, you know, as luck would have it, the opportunity came up. And, and in fact, I mean, I, I turned it down at first cause I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm good. You know, I met with the the former partner at Panatoni and uh, he's, he said, Hey, we, we just did this, you know, billion dollar joint venture with Cal Sturz in 2011 we're going to need to to add some folks right now. And I said, Oh no, this sounds really intriguing, but you know, I'm, I'm really good at where, where I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm as JLL doing office tenant rep brokerage in orange County. And that's kind of what I was going to do. And I can probably refer you to a couple of my friends that, that might be interested. Um, so I kind of just left it at that. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, that part, that, former partner came back and just was like, Hey, you know, it's basically yours if you want it. So let me know. And then at that point I was like, okay, well, let me think about it a little bit more. So I, I consulted with some of my, my mentors in in the industry and, you know, and I think that's really what opened up my eyes and said, 
okay, time out. Let's, let's really figure this out. You know, so I started doing some research on my own, you know, like what is industrial and, mm-hmm. you know, how is that gonna, you know, have an impact or what, what's gonna, what's gonna happen with industrial over the next several years, you know, trying to just understand all that and try to educate myself and, it, it, you know, industrial, I think like multifamily is just seems very intuitive, right? So for multifamily, everybody, you know, everybody has to live somewhere, right? So um, not everyone can, can be in a single family home and own it. So, you know, multifamily makes sense. And then for, for industrial, it just made sense because, you know, everything's coming in through the ports of LA and Long Beach. I believe 40% of the the goods coming into the U.S. come in through those two ports. And, you know, they have the largest ports by volume, you know, uh, uh, they're the largest ports by volume uh, in the U.S. by by far, especially when you, you combine the two because um, they're right next to each other. Um, so understanding that and then all these goods are coming in. So they all have to be stored somewhere. So, you know, so naturally you, you, they have to be stored in warehouses and where are they going to be stored? They're going to be stored in Southern California warehouses. So, so that's really how the, the IE, the Inland Empire, um, which is just East of uh, Los Angeles and and Orange County really, really grew into the market it is today. You know, LA is about a billion square feet of industrial Orange County is 260 million and, the IE uh, Inland Empire is 600 million. So um, it's grown a lot in just the last decade, really, since I started in the business. So, um, you know, it used to be more of a, a release valve for LA and, and Orange County because LA and Orange County are all built out. So, um, and there was land available in the Inland Empire. Now that's not so much the case because it's grown so much. The Inland Empire especially the inland Empire West is really an infill market right now. Um, and even to some extent, you know, the inland Empire East, you know, cause there's been so much development in, in logistics the last several years. So. Definitely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and like multifamily, I mean, industrial has been on a tear for quite mm-hmm. a few years and it'll, I, I believe it's going to continue to, uh, improve and and continue to grow and obviously one of the major beneficiaries is going to be a significant the, the the number one market primarily for this product type which is obviously the Inland Empire and LA uh, Metro as a whole so uh, obviously you know appreciative of the 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 the, uh, the insights you shared on that front so one thing I'm curious about is you know obviously you come from a military background there's probably a lot of vets that that listen to this podcast and you know some are maybe even considering. Uh, a career in commercial real estate. What are some of the, I guess, lessons and experiences that you've had through your military service that couldn't be applied to a career in commercial real estate? And obviously you've had, you know, experiences on the brokerage front. You, now you're managing projects on the development front. Like what what type of, you know, what would you say to those individuals? So in, in terms of just advice and, and how to get into the Advice, real estate, uh, or yeah. Well, starting off, like what skills translate? Because I feel like yeah. that's sometimes what happens when I talk to right. people, not necessarily uh-huh. that are vets, but just people in general that don't necessarily have a real estate background. They mm-hmm. say, "Well, maybe I don't know how my skills are going to apply to a, to a career in this particular space." When in reality, you know, you can draw you know lessons and and 
the skill sets you develop in other professions can be applied. To. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious if you could share insights on that. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the thing. Cause it's, you know, finding that next career move is, I think is, is obviously the, the most difficult for, you know, for military uh, folks, because there's not a lot that of, of jobs out there that can really replicate what you did in the military. It's just not the same, you know, and, and I kind of, um, liken it to, uh, you know, the professional athletes, right? Like, cause you know, they're, they're playing a, a specific sport and then, you know, there's nothing, nothing in these, you know, kind of civilian world or the, the real world that will replicate like a, a roaring crowd of, you know, hundred thousand people chanting your name, right? There's never going to be anything like that. So I think that's always a struggle. Um, and, and military is included, in that as well, you know, I wasn't, you know, a Navy SEAL or anything like that at all, but, you know, just reading a lot about, you know, kind of some, some of the things that, you know, Navy SEALs do. And, you know, so there's, you know, SEAL team six, right. They, they went in and they, they, they killed Osama bin Laden. Right. So how professionally is there anything that, you know, that, that can replicate that experience or, or that, level of of uh of uh experience that they, 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 these folks had so i mean that that's always the the challenge you know so so there's you know the, the skills i think that that translate well or you know the the leadership and you know because your 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 threat thrust uh, leadership uh, responsibilities um at a very young age before you're even ready and so you know you develop those people skills and those leadership skills um, a lot sooner. Um, cause I think if, if, you know, someone who let's say they started out in brokerage right out of, out of high school, I mean, not high school, right out of college, they, they're, you know, the lowest rung of, on the, on the ladder, you know, so they have no leadership responsibilities and, you know, so you're not really picking up those leadership skills until you're more senior and you have more, a, a book of business. And now, now they say, okay, um, you've been successful as a broker, you know, now you can hire your own team and build your own team. So it's much later in your career when you're picking up those leadership skills, whereas a, you know, in the military, you know, we have those skill set or we have that skill set, I think much earlier in our career and, and we, we practice it, you know, cause any, like anything, like the more you do something, the better you can get. Right. So if you're doing it much earlier in your career and you're starting you know, leadership, uh, type of, uh, roles and, and, and that, um, and that sort of thing. So, you know, you, you can get better at that really, really quickly. And then, you know, it translates really well, I think, to the, the civilian side of things when, when, uh, there is a need, I think for, for good, strong leadership, um, within companies and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, that part of it translates really well. The, the, the people skills in terms of just understanding people. Cause in the military, I mean, we, we deal with folks from all walks of life, um, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, all ages, and you have to figure out how to come together and find common ground to achieve a certain goal. And, 
you know, there's a lot of folks that I probably would not have interacted with in outside world, but because we're forced into these tight quarters and tight situation on a ship, you know, on, on my ship in particular, there's only 400 people. And when you're on deployment for six months, this is who you know, this is all you have, right? Um, so you get to know a lot of people really well, probably a lot more than than you'd like. But um, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these folks have become, you know, my friends that I still contact now. And, you know, I just texted one of my friends from the the Navy this morning, you know, so that, that we've known, you know, for 20 years, right? So um, it's, it's really unique in that sense where you form some really tight bonds. And I think that really translates well um to to the uh to the civilian side and again you know that's it's hard to replicate those types of bonds into you know this the civilian side of things because you know we're there there's nothing that can replicate going somewhere with your office team for six months without your family and away from your family and you're just together for six months working you know long hours every day and then, you know, coming back and and returning home, you know, so so there's nothing that 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 uh, can can replicate that. But you, I think you can still, you know, use those same skills in terms of leadership and 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 just understanding people and dealing with people and different types of people. Um, you know, th- those I think translate really really well. And and uh, and I think you know there are firms that that do appreciate that. Um, cause you know, there's, there's some firms I think that, that don't understand kind of what, what veterans can, can bring. And then there's others that, that really get it. You know, I think once they, they have some, some vets in their, in their business and kind of see what they can do, you know, usually I I'd like to think it's, it's a pretty positive experience. You know, of course there's always, you know, kind of outliers, but, um, I like to think, yeah, the, the, the military veterans, um, have a lot to contribute, you know, once they're out of the military. Absolutely. No, I, and I'm, I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, like, like I said, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that are listening to this, that, that maybe are in a similar position, maybe that you were in when you, when you got out of the military and providing that context to them to say, look, you do have skills that are very valuable and there, there are people out there and the different employers or, you know, different firms out there that do value that. And you can, you know, cut your teeth, underneath some of these these companies and if let's say down the road you want to start your own thing you have the opportunity to do so i mean there it's such a diverse and wide-ranging industry where you can literally dip your toes in so many different things right so uh you know i I appreciate you kind of sharing that so kind of back to where you're at today obviously you guys are focusing on uh, industrial uh development projects you know what's the future of the of your you know role in the company and then ultimately you know, what you want to see uh, accomplished over the next several years. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and thanks for, for asking that. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, when I started in January 22, the the economic environment was was very different, you know, obviously from, from what it is today. I mean, in January 22, you know, the debt was still cheap. You know, their rent growth in industrial and especially in Southern California industrial was still off the charts. You know, I think we were uh, looking at some some data the other day. I, uh, I believe it was CBRE um, uh, information on on the IE West rent growth cor- uh, year over year from quarter uh, two twenty twenty one to quarter two twenty twenty two. 
rent growth in the IE West was 98.6%. So, you know, when rent growth's that high, I mean, you can make any deal pencil, right? So, so all the deals were were looking great in in the early part of 22. Um, and then I think the, the Fed started to notice that inflation wasn't transitory and they it might be a little bit more stickier than they initially thought. So that's in March of 22, we started to see the the first of, I believe, 10 uh, interest rate hikes that, that they've done um, over the last uh, 10 times they've met. So, you know, I think that has greatly impacted our, our industry um, where, you know, where, where you're increasing the, the Fed is increasing the Fed funds rate, which in turn, you know, just affects uh, all, all the, you know, kind of uh, lending and, and environment and, and it's really thrown kind of the the, the debt markets and, and capital markets kind of into a state of flux. Um, so, you know, exit cap requirements started to push up where now that resulted in higher yield requirements to take on the additional risk for, for development deals. So I'll just paint a picture like in, in January of 22, I mean, we were basically solving to uh, high fours yield on cost on an untrended basis. So let's say it's 475. And so if we have a 100 basis point spread on top of the exit cap rate at the time, which was you know 375, then the 475 untrended yield on costs going in makes sense. And again, you know, debt was cheap, you know, rent growth was through the roof and buildings were leasing up super quickly. So you had no downtime, you know, once you had a building built, if it wasn't pre-leased or if it wasn't leased immediately after construction completion, people would ask, what's wrong with your building? You know, so um, that was a, a very unique environment. You know, the pandemic obviously really, um, really accelerated the implementation of e-commerce and and that, you know, that's really resulting in the, the supply chain crisis that we saw and the need for for more warehouse, um, so more, more warehouse space. So warehouse demand was you know really at an all time high. And then as as I mentioned, you know the 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 interest rate and inflation started to really take hold. It really kind of slowed down um, you know the investment in business. So you know and and as they've as the Fed has continued to raise the Fed funds rate, you know I think. It, it's also affected, you know, just how expensive debt has become. So when you're starting or trying to get uh, a project out of the ground, now debt is so much more expensive. So construction financing um, today wasn't at all what it was before. You know, back in January 22, you know, uh, SOFR, which is kind of the the rate that one month uh, SOFR is kind of the the rate that that uh, lenders use to um, to determine kind of where their um, where their interest rates should be for construction lending, you know. So you know, SOFR, which was near zero plus three hundred basis points. So you know, you're kind of three percent or so on your on your construction loan. And then fast forward to today, you know, SOFR is about five percent 
and and now the spreads are 350 i've seen 400 basis points so so now you're eight nine percent so you're you've tripled what what your what your debt um is for for construction financing and then rent growth isn't the same as what it was um you know the the lp uh, capital is really looking really focused on an untrended um uh, yield on costs now um you know whereas you know when the market was so hot you know they can justify using the the trended un, uh, yield on costs because because the the rent growth was there so so that was really just you know helping the the market quite a bit and so so now you know things have changed like i said so you know we're we're looking now for um you know six or six and a half untrended yield on costs uh, these days in in our market in southern california which is considerably higher than than where we were you know exit caps i mentioned earlier you know high threes so now it's north of a five so so let's say we we have a exit cap of a five and that's our assumption for for our deal you know then you 100 basis points on spread on top of that so we're we're at a six or six and a quarter six and a half to untrended yield on costs so so that's how we can justify doing deals in, right now in this environment but the problem is um the the land now is no longer worth what it was or at least the buyers don't believe it's worth that because of this now added risk and perceived risk with the uncertainty that that's um happening in the current economic environment right now so but but the the sellers don't don't get that yet so there's there's a very wide bid ask spread right now between sellers and buyers and that's why in our market at least and i think that it's also true for the rest of the country you have seen very few industrial land transactions really starting you know kind of late third quarter of 22 and to today there there's been very few of these you know land transactions because there's still the expectations wise from sellers and buyers is still very wide um and you know i think further complicating things you know the a lot of the lp capital uh which was very um uh very uh eager to get into southern california industrial and take on entitlement risk and take on permit risk uh lp capital really doesn't want to do that anymore and they're looking more just doing they're just looking for shovel ready sites so that means it's fully entitled and it's all the permits and so it's permit ready so so that's a big shift you know so now not only are you asking a seller to pay less or you know that we're we're going to pay less for your site in some cases you know 15 20 30 even 40% less um in uh for further land where where you know people were telling in in LA it was like you know 200 bucks or higher you know now it's probably you know 115 120 and and maybe some some pockets you get up to 130 you know to to solve to that untrended yield on cost of a 6 or higher um so the higher you go if it's a 6 and a half then that land price is really the only thing that you can move so the land price comes lower comes down lower so so that's why you're talking you know that's why I mentioned you know 115 or maybe even less in some cases um so so you're you're having a, a lower land price and then you're asking hey we need time now from from the seller we need 
time to entitle and and get it permitted all before we close. So, you know, you're really finding or trying to find that unique seller that has to sell in any market, you know, whether it's, you know, death, divorce, taxes, you know, retirement, you know, transition from uh, the old generation to the new generation. There, there's, you know, some real estate uh, or some life event that's causing a, a need for a real estate event to happen. Um, yeah. So, whereas before, you know, in 21 and 22, you know, you just hit this magical number, this lottery number that the the sellers wanted, and you get to that number, they're automatically a seller. Okay. Oh, yeah. so now that that really doesn't exist. Now we're having to actually find the the unique seller with the very unique situation that is willing and has a need to sell in any environment, you know, because of some other extenuating circumstance that's almost forcing their hand to sell. Cause you know, if you're, uh, if I was a, a broker in this environment, I'd tell, and, and the seller was my client, I'd probably say, yeah, it's probably not, not a good time to sell right now. Let's, let's kind of wait it out, you know, mm-hmm. as, as terms of advice. Um, but there's always going to be sellers that, that need to sell, like I said. So that's what, what we're trying to find. We're trying to find these sellers that will, will do that so we can, you know, build our building, lease it and sell it. Cause we're, we're merchant builders. So, you know, our, our whole MO, we got to get in and out as quickly as possible and, and, uh, and use those funds to, to, to go on to the next deal and, and, uh, and do that as many times and as often as possible. And that's how we, we make our money doing, doing, doing it like that. So. Absolutely. No, I appreciate the feedback. And obviously, you know, we do, as we're recording this, we are in a, it's still in a very odd time. I mean, uh, we've, we've had a record run of, of increases as far as the Fed funds rates concerned, uh, not necessarily to to heights that we've seen in the past, but the rapidity or the how rapid the rates have increased is really what's been kind of put the 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 the, the the transaction flow at almost a standstill. I, I'd right. be interested to see the total number of transactions year over year uh, by the end of this year, how we compare to 2022. It's probably going to be significant, uh, the drop-off. So you know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's going to stay that way for quite some time. But but you know, obviously, I appreciate your your insights on that front. And who knows? I mean, you know, this year is looking like it's going to be a very uh, tumultuous one and potentially even next year as well. They say, I, I saw a, a webinar from the CCIM Institute. Uh, uh, I believe I forgot the gentleman's name, but he's the head of economic, the head ec- economist for them. And he was mm-hmm. saying that, like, he had mentioned how there's a, there's something running on Twitter. It's like survive till 25 or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know if it'll make it that far, but, but hopefully, yeah. you know, we can stabilize a little bit before then, but I appreciate the feedback that you provided on that front. So one of the things I like to ask uh, all our guests, you know, I'm I'm a voracious reader. I know a co- our co-host is, is is a voracious reader as well. So I was wondering if you could share maybe one of the most impactful books that you've ever read, and it doesn't necessarily have to be real estate related, but we would appreciate you if you could share it. Oh yeah, yeah, I I I love reading as well, um, and I kind of just got into it more more later in my career. I wish I, I would have started sooner. I really started in earnest probably around 2018. So um, just starting really reading a lot of books. And um, I would just encourage anyone younger in the industry, just starting out, just read as much as you can. And, you know, I, I love 
you know, the, the nonfiction kind of self-help books. I love the inspirational story, the, the comeback story. Um, so, yeah, so I, I love all of that. Um, but, but I think the, I would say at least the most recently, the, the, the book that has made a, a, a big impact is, is untethered soul by uh, Michael Singer. And I think it's really helped me, you know, just adjust my mindset and how I, how I adjust to the complexities and different turns of, of life. You know, I, I mentioned really briefly, like uh, I think before we were actually recording, you know, I, I don't believe there's any coincidences. Right. So that came from, from that book, you know, cause, cause I think it's really the, the world puts you where you're, or the universe kind of puts you where you're supposed to be. And, you know, when I look back at my life and kind of see how everything plays out, you know, there's, you know, tough times, but, you know, those, those tough times also make you kind of who you are and you needed those tough times for whatever reason. And in the moment, they feel so overwhelming and very difficult, but, you know, the untethered soul just talks about, you know, just absorbing that moment and experiencing it and just knowing that you're alive and you're, you know, and it's going to be better, you know, it, it doesn't stay like that, you know, it never stays like that, you know? So I, I think it, it was really impactful. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the book. It was, you know, it was just kind of recommended to me, I think by a friend and, you know, I, I kind of put it off cause I do, I do a lot of audible, you know, on, so I do audio books. Um, so I do a little bit of reading, you know, physical books, but, but the majority is all audible because it's it's very convenient, very easy when you're on a run or you're you're doing kind of boring mundane tasks at home or you know working out at the gym. You know it's easy you know to to have an audiobook on, um, and Audible makes it very easy um, to 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 accommodate my my lifestyle and stuff like that. So I really enjoy that. And but yeah, like I said, I mean I think. Yeah, the untethered soul was was really uh really impactful, and whenever anyone asks, that's usually you know one because it was very recent that I, I finished it, and two you know it was just very impactful and and very deep. I didn't expect it to be that deep. Like you know sometimes you know you read the self help self development type books, and a lot of it's you know very repetitive in terms of yeah you got to work hard and you got to you got to grind and you know all that stuff. But this one was was just you know, a, a lot more um, deeper and, and made me think, you know? Yeah. So. No, I, I, pre- I appreciate that feedback. And and we actually had a, um, a Beckerman, Michael Beckerman from uh, CRE tech. Uh, he, it's a, it's a big uh, commercial real estate technology event that, that's hosted uh, in New York city. They have one in Copenhagen and other, various other places around the, the world. And he actually had that as a recommendation as well. So oh yeah, it's on my reading list. Oh yeah, you, you got to do yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm similar to you. I'm a big Audible person. I have the credits that that I get from you know whatever subscription plan. So whenever I get a credit, I'm like, okay, let's 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 listen to something. And you know, yeah. some of the most impactful books, probably similar to you that I've read, have not been you know business related or you know mm-hmm. anything like that. So no, I appreciate you adding to that to the to the list. I'm I'm definitely gonna probably make that my next read i got another credit yeah, <laughs> yeah good so. good choice yeah i'll i'll uh, look forward to hearing your your feedback on it hope i didn't build it up too much and and no. you can actually well, enjoy it 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, <laughs> when you have when you have enough people say that it's a good book, I feel like, you know, they, they can't all be wrong. Right. So, right. I yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. No. Yeah. So, well, first off, thanks so much for your time. I know you, you've you been busy and I'm I, I'm glad we were able to get this on the books and, and actually, you know, I was get to get to learn a little bit more about your backstory. Uh, one of the things we like to do near the end of our podcast episode is we like our guests to contribute something to what we call the commercial real estate treasure chest. It's a repository of resources that we make available to our audience. And, you know, our previous guests have contributed like helpful PDS, spreadsheets, books, really anything they think would be of value to the audience. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to share what you're willing to contribute today. Sure. Yeah, I I think it's it's actually very, very timely, you know, because I think last time we spoke, you know, there was a uh, a California bill that was being proposed at the time and, and going through the, the legislative process to 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 attempt to get approved it, it uh, ultimately got shot down last year it was called AB 2840 and basically that bill was says you know for the entire state of California you know if you were within a thousand feet a, where, a warehouse uh, distribution building was within a thousand feet of a sensitive receptor uh, which are basically defined as you know churches residential schools parks that that would not be allowed statewide. So last year it was defeated and then it came back again in an, in another form called AB 1000 and with the same kind of uh, uh, description in, in terms of what they were trying to achieve and, and get approved. Um, but luckily it got uh, shot down again, even earlier than um, in the process than, than last year. So that was, I think it was a, a, big win for our industry, um, especially in the state of California. Um, cause you know, I think we are seeing that pop up a lot about, you know, just the, the, not in my backyard, we don't want warehouse industrial, um, you know, uh, in, in, in our neighborhoods, but at the same time, when, when you look at the inland empire and how much it has grown, you know, from, of course, from a logistics industry, how much has grown, but there's been countless ancillary benefits um, because of the logistics industry. So the it, you know has brought plenty of jobs and and you know other areas within commercial real estate like retail has popped up. Multifamily, the need you know the more housing has 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 you know the values of of homes have have increased. So the overall you know economy of the inland empire has really. Um, greatly benefited from you know the the logistics industry and logistics real estate. So I'd like to share just some of our uh, uh, kind of flyers and brochures from from Naop just touting you know the what the logistics industry brings to uh, communities. And I think this particular one is focused it's put out by Naop Inland Empire. Um, and, uh, it really focuses on, on the, uh, the local Inland Empire community, but I think it's, it can be applied to a lot of the communities all around the, the country. And, you know, there's also additional studies, um, that show in terms of environmental impact, you know, how California itself is, has already, you know, kind of taken a lead on, you know, ensuring that these warehouses that are being built are uh, adhering to very strict environmental standards, 
as outlined by CEQA, which is the California Environmental Quality Act. So um, all of these things and and the studies that have shown um, in in some of these uh, items that I'll, I'll share with with your audience is that you know the, the there's science actually behind um, and supporting you know the 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 logistics industry and and what we're doing that refute a lot of the claims that we believe are are baseless in terms of you know from an environmental standpoint that 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 are you know really putting negative information and incorrect information we believe based on science right so Definitely. it's um you know well i think that's going to be um eye opening for some who who may not be aware of of some of the the benefits and the the impact that that our industry and industrial is having to communities and really uplifting communities and um, and, and allowing them to, to really thrive and, and grow. Cause is one thing I saw recently was the Inland Empire in particular, you know, it, you've heard, you know, a lot, you know, California, a lot of people are, are moving out and, you know, they're going to other States for a variety of reasons, but in the Inland Empire, there's actually projected growth. And, you know, you can't say that's not because of the logistics industry. So, um, I think you know the Inland Empire has a lot of, of benefits, and it's a great place to 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 work and live. And uh, you know, I think the the logistics industry is a big part of that. Definitely, no, I couldn't agree more. And uh, yeah, it is an integral part of that that area, and and obviously, it's a huge economic driver for the area. So, understanding that you know by allowing by by enabling businesses to operate in your state, it's a benefit. So, you know, right. you don't you don't want to continually, you know, thrash at business over and over and over. And then, you know, because that could potentially cause opportunity to dry up. And you definitely don't want that to be the case. And as you mentioned, it seems like people are are taking the, the requisite steps to make ensure that from an environmental standpoint and from all the regulatory standpoints that all the, the newer builds comply with with them. Exactly. So obviously, it's exactly. A, yeah. It's a benefit. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. We'll go ahead and include that in the uh the commercial real estate treasure chest as well. So you guys can gain access to that. So again, Jay, thank you so much for your time. We do greatly appreciate it. If people want to learn more about you or maybe get in touch, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm very active on, on LinkedIn. Um, so that that's, I, I think the the easiest and um, I can, you know, it's easy search. I think I'm the only Jay Tanwan on, on LinkedIn. So <laughs> um yeah it's it's easy to find me and uh yeah just reach out that way and uh happy to answer questions or anything like that definitely well jay again thank you so much we'll go ahead and include that in the show notes if you guys listen to us in a podcast format it'll be in the description or if you guys are watching this on youtube again his contact information will be in the description as well so again jay thank you so much if you guys are listening to us in a podcast format we would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review it's made a huge impact in our ability to reach a broader audience, and we've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, please, please, please like and subscribe. It does make a uh, huge impact in our ability to, to, to meet what the requirements are for the, the YouTube algorithm so that they continue to spread the message, and we make sure that more and more people are educated about the commercial real estate industry. So thanks again so much for tuning in, and we'll see you all next time.